0: How can AI enable brands to deliver personalized customer experiences in real time so you can increase your revenue, shorten your sales cycle, and strengthen your brand? There are a few companies I've found as focused on answering that question as Drift, a fast-growing, heavily funded revenue acceleration company out of Boston. I had a chance to talk with two of Drift's AI leaders about their point of view on AI, their product roadmap, and the importance of ethics and diversity. It is my firm belief that every software company will be an AI-first company. AI will be seamlessly integrated into every tool that we use as marketers. This conversation offers a glimpse into how AI is transforming product development, user experiences, and the future of the industry. First, I want to recognize one of our podcast sponsors, Pattern89. Pattern89 is predictive marketing AI for Facebook and Instagram. It's the first artificial intelligence for marketers and ad agencies who want to know what will make their social ads work before they spend a dollar? It's the world's only platform that predicts, assembles, and optimizes top-performing ads. Ready to make your ads more intelligent? Visit www.pattern89.com to get started. So welcome to the Marketing AI Show. I'm joined today by Maggie Crawley, Director of Product at Drift, and Jordan Eston, GM of Drift AI. Welcome, Maggie and Jordan. Great to see you. having us. So in this episode, we're going to explore how Drift thinks about AI, how the company is integrating AI into its platform, and what an AI-powered industry means for marketers. But first, I want to know how a former Olympic speed skater and the former leader of a voting technology company ended up working on AI at one of the fastest-growing SaaS companies in the world. So let's talk origin story. Maggie, how did you get where you are today, leading product at Drift?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think that the age-old answer to this is when you get a seat on a rocket ship, you should take it. So, I joined Drift well before we had the AI product that we have now and have just been working on how do we help change the B2B buying process to be more buyer-centric, looking at, you know, new technology trends and trends in how humans communicate. And we sort of saw the writing on the walls, a business that there were better ways to help buyers get what they need and that we could take advantage of some of the new technology out there, especially with AI. And so we acquired a company and I was sort of right place, right time and got the opportunity to work on that acquisition um, and bringing that technology into Drift. And since then, it's really been really interesting since I've worked on our, our other bot technology to see what's possible with AI and how we can improve the way conversations work with that. So been a really interesting learning experience. Excited to share more about that today.
0: Awesome. And Jordan, how about you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I you know I'm a, I'm a few years later than Meg Innes, and I used to follow her on Twitter and, and really follow Drift. I mean, I think what Drift did a phenomenal job was building this incredible brand in Boston, especially for those of us who were building other great companies in Boston. You know, I think Boston's really known for tackling tough, difficult both technology solutions, but also uh, just just business solutions, right? And so I followed Drift keenly for for a number of years, and And what I really was looking for, and and the GM role was a great fit, was you know I'm a I'm sort of try to be in the center of everything and connect the dots, right? It's not uh, I always say I don't you know I I don't necessarily have all the answers, but I I know when something needs to be connected to to solve that when I need to bring Maggie in or when I need to put her in touch with a customer or somebody on our team. And so when when the opportunity came, you know I've been really interested and curious from the AI side and sort of the, the connected you know, even connected house standpoint from my perspective, right? And, right? and I think it was just a great opportunity to come in and bring my experience, you know, running a company as a, as a CEO before this down to, you know, really running our fastest growing part of the business, right? And, and connecting our uh, our product teams to our sales teams, to our customer success teams, to our, you know, AI designers. And it's been a phenomenal, phenomenal year. And it's a great team to work with.
1: Yeah. And I think it's been interesting having, this is the first time, at least on the product side, I've worked directly with a GM okay. and I think it's been amazing to ha- to be able to focus. I think what Jordan brought to the team was let us focus a little bit more on how do we get the tech right because operationally AI is very different from a product side. So I think it's been great to have two people being able to split some of the problem between between each of us so we could actually make our customers successful while still building this thing.
0: So is Drift AI a practice unit? Is it a division of like how how do you describe Drift AI as an element of the company?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think of it as it's, you know, in five years, it's, you know, or two years, right? It's going to be, you know, our, our biggest product, our, our biggest selling product. And and for now, it's what we can bring to to both the enterprise and some of our 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 fastest growing customers to expand beyond our current product line. But it it's where it's going is the platform, right? Like it is the platform that that will power, the AI itself will power a lot of different things that Drift does. But we, I think we've been very careful to separate it as its own business unit yeah. because then it just gets sort of set aside, right? And, and it, it has to grow on its own. It's going to grow and it's going to power Drift's growth more than it's going to just grow on its own.
0: Yeah, I love that idea. I know, Maggie, you and I have talked before, and we did that mm-hmm. webinar on the state of marketing AI. It's just this whole idea that in three to five years, AI is infused into every element of marketing and sales yeah. software. So the idea that you have this standalone thing doesn't eventually make sense. And even some enterprises, like I'll get questions a lot of times from marketers, like, do we need an AI division or an AI strategy? It's like, you need a smarter tech strategy. Like, I, I don't, You can call it an AI strategy yeah. if you want, but what you need is a way to look at differently, look at problems differently, look at things you're trying to solve differently, look at achievement of goals differently, and you can do it smarter with better technology. I mean, it's it's kind of a simplistic way to look at it, but yeah, I, I love the way you're, you're talking about it.
1: Yeah, um, I think part of it is also, it's allowed us to figure out how to operate as a team and how to use the technology, both, I mean, Drift is a customer is our first customer of our product, yeah. as well as, you know, obviously our customers. So I right. think for us, it's also allows us to kind of be a bit of a lab. So we do have a Drift AI lab. And part of what we're doing is figuring out, you know, how do we incubate these new processes and systems and products before we bring it to everybody else? So we're not sort of disrupting the way that we all work.
0: So for people who aren't familiar, Maggie, maybe give us a quick rundown of what is Drift and what is a revenue acceleration platform, which is how Drift positions what it does.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So our whole philosophy is that the way that people communicate is changing. You can see in the consumer market how the rise of video, the rise of messaging and text-based communication. And we believe that business B2B buying is, is going to go in the same place as, as the consumer world because it, you know we're just consumers that happen to be at our day jobs. And so our, our whole idea is that we think that we can accelerate the, the path for buyers and accelerate how revenue comes in for companies by helping buyers get what they need faster. So answering their questions faster, being available to them, giving them personalized information at scale 24-7, starting with the website. So that's what we believe. That's what we're working on. And so we're just kind of riding that global megatrend. And AI plays a big role in that because it allows us to provide those personalized experiences at scale without just needing to add you know, more and more and more sort of human labor on, on the back end.
0: And, and Jordan, I mean, you talked a little bit about, it, but why don't you expand maybe for a moment on just the overall point of view on AI? Because mm-hmm. so many times, like, we'll guide people, like, listen, if you're talking to an existing tech company, you know, maybe it's part of your tech stack already, they better have a public point of view on their overall belief on AI and its role in the industry. If they don't, there's a really good chance they're years behind their peers. So how do you think about the point of view Drift has on AI and its role in the future?
2: I think what we've noticed very quickly is that it's a different benefit and solution for every company, right? And it can solve different pain points. And you you don't necessarily need AI for everything that that you you pain points, right? But you want to identify where a match for AI is, right? We have some customers that need to generate more leads, more qualified leads. And it's about like, let's get more, let's get more, let's get more. And, and AI can do that before they have to scale up a, a, whole, a whole team of BDRs, a whole team of SDRs right? It can help with that. We have other customers that they're actually getting too many bad leads, right? And so they want fewer meetings and they want to support and sort of deflect these bad questions. And the AI can take that versus having you know their support team or their sales reps have, have too many meetings. So it's, it's really about I think understanding what your pains are and then layering AI on top of that. It's, it's, a, it's a solution for, for the right thing. It has to be used for the right things, right? And I think too many people just say, well, we're just going to bring in AI. And, and it's actually a shift we've made from saying, well, we're just going to layer AI over your entire site. Like We want to be very specific and thoughtful about where it goes, where it starts, and, and really what pain it's solving.
0: And Maggie, I know you talk to customers a lot. so like where is it landing with them and what's what is your feeling on the understanding of AI and asking like to Jordan's point, it's not about can we just add AI to a bunch of stuff? It's here's what we're trying to solve. Can we get there more efficiently? Can we accelerate success, you know faster? Where do you think the market is is their in their understanding of AI and what it can be used for?
1: Yeah, it really depends on the company and the team that we're working with. So I think there are some marketing teams and sales teams that are very familiar and they're, you know, maybe they even in their own products have AI. And so they're, they sort of get it. And for those customers, I would say you can kind of skip past the foundational understanding you have to build and get right to, okay, here are the problems we're going to solve with this technology. And they're kind of off to the races. But I would say the, the majority of customers, and this is a lesson we learned very early on, they don't necessarily understand the un- like what AI is. There's right. tons of fear and uncertainty and doubt in the market on what the technology actually is, and it seems really scary. And people don't want to sound stupid, and so they you know they don't want to ask questions. And we had to learn how to be really explicit about what the product does and doesn't do, especially because there's you know there's like science fiction narratives out there, and and right. people will assume that the tech because it's AI, the technology will do things that it can't do or won't do or we don't want it to do. And so I think we learned very quickly that what we try to do is get people to understand like what it is, what it will do, what it won't do, and then show them as fast as we can. An example of how a conversation using AI is something that you can't have, you can't program like by hand with a decision tree. And once a customer kind of starts to get that and see how it's different and see how it can be more flexible, more buyer-centric, that's the point at which they say, oh, okay, I understand why this is better and now I'm super bought in. So
0: So where in the product is it being used? Like how how are you... Is it layered in specific features, or is it really starting to be applied across? If I'm if I'm a new Drift mm-hmm. customer, I am I automatically going to be using some element of AI in what I'm doing, or is it actually isolated in specific features of the platform right now?
1: So the, the our main AI product is isolated. It's not really isolated, but it's sort of like its own thing that you that customers explicitly purchase okay. because, like we said before, we sort of started with this version, this one use case in a, for ourselves. It's exact following the advice that you gave earlier to say, mm-hmm. okay. We're going to solve this one type of customer problem with this technology. We're going to, And we're going to figure out how to sell it sort of end-to-end, how to onboard customers, how to operate. And then once we understand how it works and what the technology is, we're starting to bring AI elsewhere in our products. But we wanted to get that one use case right first. And that was our virtual selling assistant, which helps give buyers personalized answers at scale as they're looking to get more information about products. Okay.
0: And that, that's some virtual selling. Isn't that a recent announcement around like the productization of that? Okay. What yeah. you want to explain a little bit more what that is?
1: Yeah, so it's really our view that Rather than relying on sort of hand-programmed decision tree chatbots that you might have seen on other websites, that what we could do is use conversational AI to learn from past conversations, to learn from people who have been chatting like an SDR or a BDR, and to build a model for for each individual customer that allows them to give personalized answers to their buyers at scale. So that's what the virtual selling assistant does, and yeah, it's it sort of wraps together a bunch of really interesting combinations of technology and hum, a human in the loop training model um, to provide that kind of answer.
0: And, and Jordan, why don't you talk more about yeah. the human in the loop side? Because yeah, I think people yeah. don't understand that it's that magic switch, like oh, it's AI, we're done, like right. you no know, more human needed. But that's not the case.
2: Well, I think it's one of the reasons why you know Maggie said it's isolated, right? Like we we're making very customized models and and building for every different customer, right? And, and of course we have this, this incredible base model that everything starts with, but like we really take the time to have an, an AI conversation designer work closely with the customer team to, to make sure we have their brand voice, to make sure we're we're knowing the questions that the bot's going to receive, that we're proactive with, with the qualifications that they care about. Like we're, we're really putting in the time to build a customized experience for them. And that isn't isn't just done once, right? It's done when we first build the model. And so there's a lot of interaction. And then we have AI designers that are that are reading conversations daily, right? And they're continuing to learn because mm-hmm. you know the types of questions that are asked of the businesses change. We don't get them all in there and right from day one, right? So customers don't, and, and that's that's a learning too, right? It's like customer expectations when you go live, but the bot doesn't get dumber over time, right? right? It only gets smarter. The bot doesn't quit and, you know, go work for somebody else. It, it it stays around. You don't have to re-onboard it. So there's a lot of those benefits, but it's all really driven by having that human in the loop to continue to iterate it and, and moderate it.
0: And for people not familiar with the terminology, like that's the machine learning, but you hear about machine learning so much. That's the idea that the machine literally continually learns, but humans are often the ones training it. the providing the inputs and the oversight to make sure it gets smarter over time. Yes.
2: No. So, I mean, and it's, and it's obviously, you know, it's, it's based on the data that, that is coming through. Right. And so we're there, we're not just like randomly adding things. I mean, certainly we work with the customers to say, you know, how do you want to maybe train in new areas or do you want to, you know, change what the virtual selling assistant is focused on or, or added to a new part of your site that may be sort of a fresh, you know, start, rebuild. But but the rest of it is it's based on the conversations that are going on, right? And it's being trained based on, based on you know, actual back and forth with, with customers.
1: Yeah, I think it's really, it's important. That's such an important call out that it depends, like any AI project that you're going to have at your company is going to be dependent on how good your data is and how long you're willing to train it. So I think that there's, there's definitely a balance between Spending a lot of time, you know, training whatever model is you're trying to use on the data that you have versus going live with it and learning on live interactions or for us, you know, live conversations. And that's something that we also dial up or back depending on how comfortable the customer is with how like, how, how quickly they want to go live and how okay they are with the different variant, like how much the bot may know. And that was a big lesson learned at the beginning. And I think it's relevant for any kind of AI project, which is understanding the data that you have available, how good it is, and and how long it's going to take you to train the AI that you're trying to use.
0: And what about, you know, so again, like one of the great ways you talked about selling is like, here's your job today. Here's what it's like to use a manually powered, if then driven chatbot. Here is your conversational agent of the future. What does that mean to the user in terms of onboarding? training needed for their team to work with a more intelligent agent is that the kind of thing drift provides where you're actually upskilling your customers teaching them new capabilities
2: yeah absolutely i mean i think it's a different experience in some regards you have to have more patience and and actually let the bot do its job and uh you know we have a lot of customers who have you know very you know I mean, they have BDS, they just want to jump in, right? They just want to have conversations. But it's, I think it's important that the the bot can kind of you know go through its qualification. And so we we do quite a bit of training with with our customers and their teams to make sure that, you know, it's it's working as, but also working as they want it to be working. Like it it should depend on their environment. And so we want to both train them on how the AI is built to work, but then modify the flow and the and the structure of the AI based on, on how their team wants
0: to work. So we'll often, when we're talking about buying AI solutions, think about it like the autonomous vehicle scale of like the zero to five full autonomy. And we created this marketer to machine scale, similar concept. we like all human all the time to you know fully autonomous. If someone's building this over time, if someone like, you know, buys into Drift and starts using the AI functions, how much of their job are you truly intelligently automating? Is it like You want to get to 50% of maybe what would have previously been done all by human is being done by machine. Or is there an end game to try and get this to where humans aren't even in the loop anymore?
1: I don't really think about it as automating someone's job. The way the prop, like from a product perspective, the problem that we're solving is we're saying, how do we make them more efficient? So what can we do to make the people that we have better, like focus on the things that humans are good at and not have to do repetitive Behaviors that we can we can automate for them, and so it's more about okay. Well, if we have you know, for example, for our products, we have SDRs or BDrs who are chatting and talking to to leads. How do we get them leads that are better qualified? To Jordan's right. earlier point, how do we make sure that we're deflecting people who aren't ready for sales or who are customers to a different place, or you know, answering like lightweight questions and making sure that the time that people has is spent on the good stuff? And I think on the other end of the spectrum, you know, the AI that at least our AI isn't going to replace like critical thinking and the branding and positioning and all the like really good stuff that marketers are awesome at. And so again, it's just more about like, how do we take that knowledge and like, make sure that we're answering good questions at scale, making sure everyone's like not having to do that repetitive behavior so they can focus on the good stuff.
2: I'd add to that. I mean, I I think we, there may be benefits that customers don't need to continue to add as many, like they can scale faster. And so like, yes, in the long-term you get, you obviously like get those efficiencies and, and maybe future jobs are, are you know, are, are uh, taken over in some respect by the AI, mm-hmm. but absolutely like for us, it's about making them better, more efficient, right. more, you know, more volume, right. And, mm-hmm. and to, and and that's a huge, that's a huge focus. And then, and then it goes to the insights, right. It's like, it's like maybe at first it's about scaling from the sales perspective, more volume, but then it's about, can we can we help educate them on the types of questions that are that are being asked consistently? Can we allow them to make more efficient decisions that are broadly based on on what what we're seeing from all
0: their customers? And are there minimum requirements of data or of number of visitors to the site to to get value out of it? Like, how much data does it need to actually get really good?
1: I think the first version of our own bot, we had like. 50 conversations to a hundred conversations we trained it on. So that's one of the benefits, at least of the way our system works is that you don't have to have like 3 billion lines of data for it to work. Obviously the more data you have, the more accurate you can be, but for us, you don't need a ton, but I would say you need a couple thousand conversations to have, to like be off to a really great start. And then I think the traffic depends on what problems you're trying to solve with our use case. Like there are some companies that have less traffic, but they have a more nuanced use case. Journey, you can probably speak to that
2: better. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, traffic is dependent on you know what's your average selling price. It's dependent on again, how many how many reps do you have on your team that that is you know do they have time to to jump into chats or not? We see across the board from uh, how much traffic our customers have. I, I think by definition, more traffic drives more value yeah. value from it in most cases. But I do think like Maggie and the team have done a phenomenal job of of like allowing us to stand these up much quicker with, with less data okay. and get it going, right? So we get it going and then we and then we build data to grow smarter and more specific to their domain. But we don't rely on the traffic necessarily for the bot strength. We rely on it for the for their ROI and for, for solving their, their pain.
0: And Maggie, when you said 50 to 100 conversations, you mean like an existing like human powered chatbot where there has been conversations, the machine can learn how your reps deal with it, that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, that's the way our okay. system works is we take either conversations people are having with a bot, but much more ideally and more typically we would take, if you have a rep who's chatting via chat tool or on the phone and you have transcripts, we'll use that data to train the model. Because what we want to do is is model it after what your best SDRs are already saying. Like you okay. already have great salespeople who are really great at answering questions and that's what we want to learn from. So that's what we look for.
0: And then- We touched a little bit on this earlier, but how do you prioritize the roadmap for what does get infused with AI? When you're looking at the product roadmap for Drift, obviously, like, there are so many applications of AI from NLP of evaluating the text to, you know, actually learning from training data on emails Mm -hmm. or text. How are you looking at that roadmap and trying to figure out where to invest the resources next?
1: Yeah. And this is, like, we could could get pretty nerdy on the product philosophy (laughs) side on this, but I think for us, like... Typically, what I've seen over the past couple of years is that the challenge with AI is that there's too many things you can do and too many things we want to do. So Jordan mentioned insights earlier. There's this like whole universe of of things you could understand from conversation data that that would be cool and amazing. And then there's also a balance of, you know, what is, unlike traditional product development, there's this, there's this aspect of, you know, what's new in the tech on the technology and what what does that make possible that we could do. But the way I try to think about it is. What can we do to unlock more value for our customers? And we start there. So what's going to help us get buyers where they're going faster? What's going to help our customers do their jobs better? And that's really the thing that wins for us is where we think we can apply AI that's going to help with that the most.
0: Do you run into the innovator's dilemma at all, where it's like you have something that you know would be better, but the market isn't ready yet or isn't demanding it? And you have to balance between this is a transformational shift in how marketing could be done. And we think it needs to be, but the customer may not be ready for the demand there?
1: The way I like to think about that, and this is regardless of AI or not, is like the be- The more you understand your customer and the more you understand the workflow that they're going through and the problem they're trying to solve, you don't ever have to wait for your customer to ask for something. If you know that they have a problem and you can solve it, that's going to be worthwhile. Okay. And so I think it's on you as a, as a team who's selling something to tell a good story and help them understand why it's going to be better and why it's going to solve a problem that they already have better. Because I think... As a product person, if you're waiting for customers to ask you for stuff, you're, you're probably, I would say, missing the mark a little bit.
2: Or building something without talking to them.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, also that.
0: What about uh, patents? I know. So, you know, again, there's always the build versus buy. I know Drift has made acquisitions, but I also know you hold patents related to AI. I mean, how do you think about just that growing from the internal and like really building this core capability versus like, you know, looking at ways... because as we talked about, like these are all narrow use cases. Like there's, there's hundreds or thousands of companies being built to do a specific little thing. And so there's, you got to assume at some point there's some consolidation where you start just, you know, finding those interesting tools that you can roll in. Is it something you publicly talk about just in terms of your strategy or thinking there around how you'll continually stay on top of the innovation? Cause it does move so fast in this space.
2: Yeah. I think how we, you know, I'm not, not speaking like company wide, but, yeah. but I think from an AI perspective, like we see so much runway with what we have. Like, you know, when, when we acquired giant otter, like it's just it's the core and the base, not just what we're doing now, but it's already can be the core of the base of like so many things that are in line and around our current customers, right? right. we we talk about it like we're not trying to go solve issues that are, are are on the other side of the company, like we're trying to solve issues that are like, you know, marketing sales, like, you know, really within that, that realm and, 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 and stay on that line. And I think there's so much that, you know, there's so much runway in front of us with, with, the, with the core technology that we have that we're just so heads down, focused on, uh, on and getting applications of it into the market.
0: Yeah, my perception from the outside is you're not buying a bunch of plug and play things, like just stacking a bunch of tools. The the acquisitions were core to the foundation of the tech. And it's like, it's gonna actually enrich the whole platform by like, so that that was just kind of my perception. Yeah, Real quick, ethics. So again, a core thing that a lot of times marketers don't even know to ask, but does Drift have a point of view on just the ethics of AI and the development and the use of it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's something that we we care a lot about. We care a lot about making sure that our team is as diverse as possible to make sure that we're thinking of all the right things. We've had a couple of, and and one of the practices that we have is bringing in speakers who are well-versed in the ethics of AI and how to make sure that you're, we're thinking about it correctly. And so we've had, I don't know, a couple of speakers over the past quarter or two that have come in to help us on the technical side and on non-technical side, understand like what we should be thinking about. And one of the things that I that I really love, especially this is from Jordan's team, is we have. Again, we, we talked about human in the loop. And I think one of the dangers of the AI is that if your training data set is so large, it is effectively impossible to know what's in it at some sense and to know whether or not there's any, what the biases are that are in it because there's going to be biases and biases in basically all data. And so we, our tra- our AI conversation designers are really part of our team and we care very deeply about the experience they're having and what they're seeing in the data. And so that's one of the ways that we think about it is like, A, educating ourselves on on what biases can show up and how and be putting in processes to make sure that we're listening so that when things come up, we can act on them.
2: Yeah, I, this is so important. I mean, I, mm. I think that, first of all, we're really lucky. Like Drift is an incredibly diverse company starting at the very top, you know, and and working down through the entire organization with incredible ethics, right? I mean, like it, it's, we don't have to, we, we just, we know that like we need to do the right thing.
0: And you don't have like, to have the paper that says, here's the top. 10 things. to. No, it, right. Yeah.
2: And, and it really is. It emanates from the top. I think from a from a diversity perspective, you know, I saw this in the elections industry actually because we were building products for anyone and everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Our end users were everybody, right? And so we had to make sure that we had products that could be, you know, used by disabled voters, by you know, a, a whole different broad set. And so we made sure we built a team that had that background, right? We didn't want just a team of a bunch of people in Boston, like we wanted. Those experiences and, and and that diversity and and I think we've tried to think through that both at Drift and as part of our AI designers, right? I don't, you know, if we have AI designers that all look the same and and they're training these models, they're going to be all the same and and they're not going to really represent the, the the site visitors on the other side and and the, and the users who are again anybody and everybody. And so we have to be really, you know, diversity is 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 important, but but it's actually important. Like it right. it, it actually impacts and builds better product when you have a diverse team and, and it, and it builds a better culture and it's so vital and, and we've just focused on it. I mean, I, I think our AI design team is, is incredibly diverse in the, the, the types of people and, and, and we're so lucky on that in that regard that I think the company supports that as well.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with Jordan. I think you can tell that this is like such a hot button issue yeah, for everyone for sure. at Drift. It's we're so psyched about it, yeah. but I think it's also like, you know, having two, two founders of color, like, it's very much a part of our company's DNA, and I think like the other big, like big tech companies for us are not role models in this. Yeah. Like we think we like there is a space for all of us to do better, and like what's going on in the market is not good enough. And we want to be, we're holding ourselves to a, to a higher bar than we've seen elsewhere because like we think that that matters a ton, not just for us as a company, but for the outcomes like Jordan's mentioning for our customers.
0: No, and I, I think it's, you know, again, Maggie, you and I have had conversations around this stuff. My mission is to make enough marketers care to learn what AI is, so that they start to ask these questions. Because right now, the, the average marketer would have no idea to even understand the role diversity plays in the creation of the AI, and that's not good enough. Like as an industry, yeah. we need to be demanding that of the companies that we buy from, and we're not there. We're not even close to being there. So, well, yeah, and, I think Drift. made a business.
2: really important. Maggie made a really important point about our AI designers are incredible. You know, incredible members of our team and they're not sort of siloed building, you know, models that, that no one is, is reviewing. And, and, and like, we really go through that Maggie and her team really dive in with the designers to, to look at their, you know, look at what they're building. And it's just incredibly collaborative because if you have somebody just building in a silo to Maggie said, like, you don't, you don't know what what's being done there and, and you want to be, you want to make sure we're really have some checks and balances on, on, on the team as well.
0: All right. Well, I think that's a great place for the the majority of this to end. I want to end with our usual rapid fire questions for Maggie and Jordan. But first, let's take a moment to hear from one of our sponsors, Mobile Walla. Mobile Walla is a global leader in consumer intelligence solutions, leveraging the industry's most robust consumer data set and deep artificial intelligence expertise. Its refined consumer insights help organizations better understand and predict consumer behavior. You can start making more informed business decisions and effectively acquire, understand, and retain your most valuable customers. Get in touch with a data expert today. It's simple. Just visit www.mobilewalla.com and click Talk to a Data Expert. All right. Rapid fire. You ready?
1: Let's do it. Maggie.
0: So I alluded to this at the beginning. If you could have been an Olympian in another sport, (laughs) besides speed skating, what would it have been? Did you have another sport?
1: obviously i started as a figure skater couldn't cut it switched to hockey and then was went to speed skating so i I think figure skating probably would have been the one i would have picked although as a half canadian person hockey is also very close to my heart so like any of those maybe skiing basically any other winter sport
0: so (laughs) now people can look it up but with 2006 winter olympics yeah all right jordan if you could have been an Olympian, what sport would it have been? <laughs> you
2: know, this is the first time I've heard Maggie was an Olympian. I didn't.
0: Uh... I I learned it when we were doing a <laughs> webinar together. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> um,
2: oh well, man, I was a so- I was a college soccer player. Okay, and uh, I told I remember telling Maggie this when I started. I was like. Oh, you were an Olympian. I was a college soccer player. Was like everyone, everyone loves to tell me like what sport they played growing up. Right? But no, I actually I grew up in uh, Holland for a couple of years in Europe, and and, uh, and and fell in love with soccer. I don't play anymore because I get injured. But I think that would that would probably be the sport I would have stuck with.
0: Nice. All right. For both. Maybe, cur- Maybe
2: curling.
1: I don't know. Oh, yeah. Curling. We still have time. I think we can still do yeah. that. We can still do that.
0: All right. Uh, Voice assistant you use most. Alexa, Google Assistant, Suri, Cortana. Don't use them.
2: I've used them all. I think Google Assistant is probably the one that I use the most. is my, my best like music mix that I love. And I think I just set it off. <laughs> I, <think
0: it's- laughs> I always do when I ask that question. My watch will go off. I don't use them. You don't? Privacy reasons or just functional?
1: Yeah, I just don't, I don't need something like listening to me in my house. Maybe one day I'll get there, but not not yet.
0: All right. I took the Alexa out of my house. My kids wouldn't stop talking to it. All right. More valuable in 10 years, liberal arts degree or computer science degree? I think computer science.
2: I mean, yeah. I, I think I, I think that, you know, liberal arts is incredibly important, And in there, but there's so many places to, to learn that. I think getting that core, I mean, I went to Carnegie Mellon, so maybe I'm a little biased there, <laughs> but I wasn't a computer science major.
1: Right. I wished I was. I totally disagree. I think you don't need a computer science degree to, to learn how to code, but I think learning how to think and how to think critically is going to be the most important skill in the future.
0: Love it. All right, that's one other episode. Extremely
1: biased. Yeah. Arts uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I, Mark Cuban is the infamous, like he's on record that he's he's a believer that the codes will code themselves and that liberal arts, the human thinking, is the key mm-hmm. to the future. Net effect over the next decade: more jobs eliminated by AI, or more jobs created by AI, or no meaningful impact.
2: I've been created. I mean, if I look at certainly at Drift and at our customers, it's created.
1: Yep, I agree, created.
0: I'm, I'm with you. All right, well, any final thoughts for our, you know, again, our audience tends to be the beginner level. They're just trying to figure this stuff out, looking for the first couple pilot projects. Any final words of wisdom for them to help them kind of figure out this new frontier we're heading in? I think be patient.
2: If you're going to do it, pick pick the pain you want to solve and then be patient and put the time and effort in to, to, to really, um, you know, bring AI and make it make it a keen part of like that pain and that solution, and don't expect the results to come on day one, right? They're, they're gonna, it, the, you got to keep training it, you got to keep learning, and you're gonna all of a sudden see. I like think we talk about customers; it's like this, and then it's like that, right? And I think that's what uh, you know, have that patience and, and, and willingness for for the AI to learn.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I think my advice would be. Pick one problem, and maybe it's the same a flavor of being patient. But pick one problem that you really want to solve that you have good data for, and work on that. Versus getting you know overexcited, trying to do too many things at once, and and sort of seeing your AI project fizzle out. Because I think if you get that first one right, and you understand how how it works and how it can be helpful, the next ones are going to be so much more easy.
0: And Maggie, you have the Build with Maggie Crowley podcast. Yes. Um, where Product else can people. people follow you? LinkedIn, uh, I think Twitter. You can follow
1: what are you? both both Jordan and I on Twitter retweeting each other's tweets
2: we just, we just go back and forth yeah. <laughs> we just go back and forth you know i'm maggie's biggest podcast listener and i always send her screenshots from the car or whatever I'm, whenever i'm listening so that's awesome. my big shout out is her podcast. all
0: right well i really appreciate both of you taking the time to do this this has been an awesome conversation i, I would love to go down the ethics route one of these days and maybe just do a whole podcast dedicated to that get a couple other people it's just It's not talked about enough. And I I really appreciate you guys offering the perspective there. So again, Jordan, Maggie, thank you so much for your time and for everybody listening or watching. We really appreciate you being a part of it. This has been the Marketing AI Show. And until next time, we'll we'll see you then. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.